Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. Finian Johnson was a grand finalist in the 2023 Toyota Starmaker competition and in the 2023 NAB Talent Search at the Gympie Music Muster. He reached the top 12 in season 11 of television show The Voice, and he's also been touring the country. Last year, he released the singles July and Dishonest. This year, he has a single called I'm Doing Well, so we're probably going to talk about all of it. Hello, Finian. G'day. How's it going? I'm going very well, thank you. And uh, having seen you play live last year and I didn't know much about you at the time, I just thought, who is this person with this amazing voice and presence? Um, And I imagine you took that voice and that presence to the Tamworth Country Music Festival this year. So how was your Tamworth? Great, like it is every year. Um, We go up for the pretty much the whole 10 days every single year since I think 2017 was my first festival, just after I did the uh, Junior Academy. And I've been every year since other than COVID. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was great. Uh, I'm not at all surprised to learn that you are a graduate of the Academy. Have you been to the senior Academy as well? I haven't, I've been wanting to do it. Um, I don't know why I haven't gotten around to it yet, but I hope to at some point. Well, possibly cause you know, there are other things to be doing, but uh, junior Academy obviously set you up very well. Yeah, definitely. It was, I think me and my dad went up there. It's, it doesn't go for as long as the senior one and it's obviously very different, but, um, more the reason for me to go and do the senior one at some point. Yeah. It's like, uh, I, I think Academy is a bit like boot camp. And then, and from what I understand, it's slightly different boot camps. Like in junior Academy, you are learning some different things to senior Academy and it's intensive songwriting and performance. So who were your songwriting mentors while you were there? I wrote a song with, well, my, my group mentor was Simon Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, who's an amazing, amazing um, instrumentalist. And I think I wrote a song with David Carter from Carter and Carter. Um, and I actually, yeah, and I think that was the first time I met like Lynn Botel and Ash Dallas and um, Elise Simmons, all these just amazing, you know, country artists that before before the Academy, I didn't really know anyone apart from Trey Gassadaly and Adam Harvey. And um, But going there, I met all these, you know, other artists, kids, mm. the same age as me. It was amazing. So what brought you to Junior Academy at that time? Because you were saying, you know, you of Troy and Adam, but it sounds like country music may not have been your preferred genre at that point. It definitely was. I just, you know, I seemed to not know any Australian artists. There was oh. Alan Jackson, Brixton Dunn, Travis Tritt. Um, but I did, Trick Acidale is my all-time favourite. And, um, yeah, we had some Lee Kernigan, Keith Urban, all that kind of stuff growing up as well. So always country, but mm-hmm. I was kind of, you know, didn't really know anything about Australian country music. It was just everything American, pretty much. And I think, yeah, that's that's what's on radio. Um, and look, Troy is an excellent artist to have as your favourite because he has everything going for him, really, singing, songwriting, perform- guitarist. He's an amazing guitarist as well. So when you were growing up and listening to Troy's music, were you thinking you'd like to do all those things, play guitar the way he does, sing and write songs? Yeah, definitely. The first song I actually learned, well, it wasn't the first song I learned, sorry. The reason I learned guitar was so I could learn a song of his called Ladies in My Life. It's one of my favorite songs of all time. And I did, I did learn it, of course. Um, but yeah, I think Troy has been a 
big inspiration for my music. And then I, I met him a few years ago for the first time and I was just, for a young kid to meet your idol, you know, people always say, don't meet your heroes or whatever, but I did. And he was just, as I expected him, just the man that he is in his songs pretty much. And I was like, I want to be that. So I'm doing my best to do that. Yeah. yeah. And when did you start writing your own songs? Um, I think around the time I did the Academy, I mm -hmm. think I was, and that was, you know, I think I was 15 or 14 and it was obviously all, you know, high school heartbreaks and all that kind of stuff. But um, I took a hiatus for a few years and didn't really write anything, but just got back into it the last two years or so. And um, just trying to get as many as I can up and, you know, build up that repertoire. Yeah. Did you not write because you felt like you didn't have anything to write about or was it more that it was just not the core thing you were interested in? I was definitely interested in it. I've never lost interest in music. Um, but yeah, I just, I was like, I don't want to keep writing about the same thing. I'm a, I'm a kid. I, I don't have life experiences. I don't know what to write about yet. Um, and then, you know, it's, but I'm 21 now I've experienced, experienced so much in even the last five years and it's been a rough, rough few years with COVID and everything. Mm. Um, so I've had plenty to write about. Yeah. Well, and maybe you would write a song about being in Star Maker because as I mentioned at the top, you were in Star Maker last year. How was that experience for you? Amazing. It was something I wanted to do since I went to the festival for the first time. I think Karen Page won it that year. I watched her winning in the park. And then the next year I watched Rachel Fahim or whoever. I watched all the winners for the last, you know, five or so years. And then I finally turned 18 and I was like, I can do it now. I'm going to give it a crack. <laughs> and I actually got, got to do it. And then I also got the voice thing and I had to pick. Oh, and I okay. picked the voice. And then the next year, I was like, I can do it again. But because of COVID, oh, wow. couldn't do it. Well, that was Those two years swapped around. And I was like, oh, this is terrible. It's all I wanted to do. And then finally, everything lined up and I got to do it. And I made the top 10. And it was just amazing being up there on that stage. Lots of prep, um, you know, with the band and, you know, <laughs> just all the social media stuff. It was mm -hmm. crazy. But when I got up there, it was just amazing to be on the stage in front of all those people again. Do you think being on The Voice prepared you well for Star Maker? I think so. Um, it definitely gave me better. I don't know. I think for Star Maker, they, they look at everything, not just the performance on the night, um, your socials and your following fan base. And I think being on The Voice previously gave me a little bit of a fan base and boosted my socials and everything like that. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that definitely, you know, helped i didn't win obviously but it, <laughs> i think it bettered my chance of just you know not having anything well and I, I tend to think actually the great you know the, the grand finalist field every year is so rich in talent that yes it would be lovely to win obviously but for hunters it's a really good indication of who to keep an eye on who's who's not emerging necessarily because i know you have to be at a certain stage of your career to even get into star maker and get into the grand final but uh, yeah, just just you know, ones to watch who are coming through with interesting songs. But what you say about the socials is an interesting point too, because that is such an element now. So for you as an artist, starting to get that social media presence, is it something that you've that you enjoy, or is it more like, yeah, I know I've got to do it. Yeah, I have to do it, and I don't always do it. I'm pretty I'm pretty slack on it, but I do have to get better. I know it's something I'm working on, um, but it is you know. Just something you have to learn like everything else, but I'll get there.
Yeah, and it's a skill I think that it's assumed people just have, right? Like, oh, you just filming stuff. It's like, no, no, it's actually, yeah, it's a completely different skill set, I think, to being an artist. Um, so it's good if The Voice helped you. But I'm getting the sense that you might like competitions. So The Voice, The Star Maker and Gimpy Music Master Talent Search. What is it about competitions that works for you? Oh, it's a, You've always got a chance, so I figured you throw your hat in the ring you can go give it a crack i tend to have a habit of always losing but <laughs> i mean you've got to be in it to win it and you know i guess at some point i hopefully slow down the competitions but they're a great stepping stone for emerging artists and um you know you gotta like i said you gotta be in it so yeah well you say you're always losing but I, I do wish to reiterate that you were top 12 on the voice now i can only imagine how many people auditioned for that particular show and Star Maker as well. There'd be so many people applying. So it's just, yeah, it, I, obviously it feels like, yes, I've lost. But to my mind as a punter, it actually is like you've, you've made it through a massive curation process, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, so as I mentioned, uh, you know, you, you have this incredible singing voice and it's it's a very powerful voice. It's very rich. Um, it's the sort of voice, obviously, that you can only develop once you pass your voice breaking. Uh, but I'm wondering if you you were singing as a child and starting to really get that sense of yourself as a singer from a young age. Um, my voice was very different when I was a kid. I I didn't really sing. I mean, I, I used to hum and play sing down karaoke with my sister and stuff like that, but I never really s sang until about when I was nine or so. I think I, I auditioned for The Voice Kids for that one or two seasons it was on yeah. in Australia. And um, I didn't make it to any point of success i didn't make it to tv um but i mean looking back i sounded like a little girl like most boys do at that age and um there's actually videos of me on youtube of when i was nine years old singing ladies in my life and some uh -huh. rascal flat songs and, um it's funny to actually look back on it i'm glad they're on there so i can laugh at it pretty much um <laughs> but then by the time i was 12 or 13 my voice said it there was never a period where i lost it it just mm -hmm. kind of changed over time, which was which was good. Um, but yeah, I've always kind of had the the deeper voice, mm -hmm. which I love. Um, I'm big fans of Johnny Cash and Randy Travis, so to <laughs> to have the deep voice and sing their kind of songs is is great. Well, then it sounds like um, your adolescence was a good time for you because you went, "Hey, I could work with this. I know what to do with this." Definitely, um, and you know, I. I think I did my first gig when I was 13. So mm -hmm. at that point I was confident or well not confident. I was still, <laughs> I was competent with the guitar and um, I got to play at one of the local pubs, a railway hotel just after, after the footy on Friday nights for one hour, I was getting paid a hundred bucks. And I was like, this is I'm earning so much money because that was a lot of money for a kid. I, I didn't have a job and um, it was so much fun. I'd just play for an hour and, had such great support from, you know, the locals. And I kept doing it there every Friday, was busking as well on, on the weekdays. And then I eventually just kept building up and then getting more gigs. And now I'm doing three gigs a weekend and playing some festivals and life's great. <laughs> so do you think that your voice did determine which sort of music you stuck with? Because, you know, you grew up listening to country that you might have had a voice that actually didn't lend itself to country. Thankfully, yours does. But was there a point where you thought, I need to work out what, what suits my voice and which genre I can work with best? Maybe subconsciously, but not not purposely. Right. I just 
love country music and I'm, I'm a strong believer in just seeing whatever you love, but I happen to love country music and my voice happens to be suited for country. So it, it works out well. Yeah, very much so. So the latest single is I'm Doing Well and it was written with Adam Eckersley and Brooke McClymont. Now, when I saw you play live last year, you were playing support for them. So I'm wondering if the song was written because you were on tour with them while you were on the road or after? Before. Oh, <laughs> I didn't consider that answer. <laughs> yeah. We wrote it um, about a year before. It was before The Voice aired and everything, but... Adam and Brooke had, I'm not even sure if we'd locked in that I was going to do the tour with them at this point, but um, I'd opened for them previously over the years and um, they invited me down to their property and uh, I took a few lines of a song I had and we pretty much turned it into I'm Doing Well and um, we just fell in love with it and I'm so glad I finally got to record it. It was actually one of the songs I played at the Star Maker Grand Final because um, I love it so much and, you know, People came up to me after it and saying how much they loved it and I should record it. And then I played it on the tour and the same thing. And I was like, this song should be recorded. So I did it finally. Um, but yeah, working with Adam and Brooke was great. I think one of the interesting things about them as artists is that, you know, Brooke's been in the McClymonds for years. She's a fantastic live performer. She seems like she's just this easy, breezy, everything's great, like, rocking out their chick, but she's a really serious, great songwriter as well. She's written a lot of the McClymont's music. She has a fantastic ear for melody. And Adam, of course, is very accomplished too. So I'm wondering if in the writer's room with them, you know, writer's room, metaphorically speaking, if they were serious or if they were like, pretty upbeat like they are on stage. Um, I mean, with this kind of song, I think it was more serious. We are kind of, you know, trying to, trying to get a message out, but I mean, wasn't a writer's room, which is out on the table, out in the, <laughs> the veranda. Um, but it was very, you know, it was an easy song to write, I think. Um, you know, I had a couple lines, so that kind of set the whole, you know, structure of it pretty much. And then Adam had so much to give to it from his experiences and the same with Brooke. And we just, yeah, made it into the story it is. Now you said that it's the most special song you've ever written. So I'm wondering if you can tell us what it's about and why it's so dear to your heart. Well, for starters, I haven't written many songs, so but so far out of all of them, it's it is special. Um, it's we pretty much wrote it in hopes that it serves as a reminder for whatever gets you down in life. You can take a step back and acknowledge that you're doing all right despite these things. And um, me personally, had a me and my siblings had a bit of a rougher upbringing, I'd say, and we lost our mother back in 2018. Mm -hmm. um, so we've had some obstacles, and then. Um, Everything with COVID as well for everyone, just very hard couple of years and people have had to get back up on their feet. Um, so I think we tried to, you know, write a little bit of a anthem, a little bit of an uplifting tune to remind people that, you know, just keep going, you're doing well. Mm -hmm. uh, so you would have been quite young when you lost your mother. Uh, yeah, I was 16. Yeah, that's, uh, and then, you know, grief takes as long as it takes, but I would imagine you were still in quite a grieving process when we we had a, a global lockdown and a pandemic to deal with. So that is no wonder you stopped writing for a while. Let's put it that way. Well, that's, yeah, that's about the period I stopped writing. I was in um, just about to go into year 12. So getting ready for my HSC and all that. And it kind of, I moved out of home. I moved in with my sister. Um, and it was, yeah, it was a big kind of crazy, crazy few years. And, you know, getting past losing a, a family member and then 
COVID hit as soon as I graduated. So wow. we had that, you know, I turned 18 during the first big lockdown. So couldn't go out and experience all the clubbing and stuff that my friends got to do the year before because I was the youngest in my year group by a year. So right. all my friends <laughs> had, had the opportunity to go and do that. But I mean, it's everything's worked out. Um, we've all made it through COVID. So. Yeah. Had you been thinking at the time you graduated school that you would start working as a musician? Yeah, I wanted to do it as soon as I finished school. Um, my sister really wanted me to go to uni. She's very academic. And, um, you know, I was like, oh, I just don't know. You know, I want to go give it a crack. I want to go see if I can make it, keep doing gigs, whatever. And that was my plan. And then mm-hmm. COVID started. And I was like, well, I've got no choice. So I enrolled for uni and right. I started, I did my Bachelor of Music for two years or nearly two years. And then the voice stuff started coming on and I was like, I don't want to be spending this time studying when, mm-hmm. you know, it's a music degree. I loved it. But a lot of the stuff I was going and learning was, you know, songwriting and production and music business, which is what I was learning by doing what mm-hmm. I was doing anyway. So I was like, it's yeah. just... I'd rather be spending the time, you know, gigging and writing songs than going to class and listening mm-hmm. in lectures. And but I did stop that. Um, but yeah, it's. I'm just happy to be where I'm at with music. So I'm, Fantastic. I'm, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you were going to say I don't think. Not yeah, the academic life isn't for me. Even though it was music, it was, it was fun funner than school because it was just music which I love, but. Mm-hmm. I'm not, not one for any kind of school at all. <laughs> uh, is your sister wagging her finger at you because you didn't finish the degree because she wanted you to be academic? I think she's a little upset deep down, but, I mean, she just wants the best for me and she's a massive supporter of my music and always has been and always will be. Um, so, yeah, she's happy if I'm happy. So. <laughs> well, that's, well, that's fantastic. So, I mean, this song, I'm Doing Well, I would imagine, is a song that could help people through difficult times they're having. I'm wondering when you were going through a period of difficulty, if, what, which songs in particular helped you? Because I imagine you would have turned to music for that, as a lot of us do. Yeah. Um, I can't really put a finger on any song in particular, but I've always, I'm very emotional. I'm, I'm not afraid to cry. Um, especially in movies and especially in songs, I'll, you know, I can listen to some songs and it's a really sad one. It's like some, there's some sad Rascal Flats ones. And, um, if I can listen to them enough I'll, and understand the lyrics, I, I can get quite emotional. And I think I can just, if I've got stuff pent up inside mm-hmm. me, you can kind of release it through music and it, it might not even be, you won't have to think about kind of what's actually getting you down externally, but just releasing the emotions, which music helps with, I think is a big thing. So yeah, I don't think there was any artist or song in particular, but just music in general. I would think the fact that the Troy Cassadaly song you liked the most growing up was Ladies in My Life does indicate that you are comfortable with emotion. That is not the Troy Cassadaly song a lot of <laughs> folks would pick, I think. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that song. I used to sing it um, to mum every birthday or mother's day one of one of them um but just just along to the the troy song like just sing along with his voice and then i eventually learned it on guitar so i, I played it on guitar for her and um yeah i was really she was she was loving that i was in music as well so yeah oh, I, and i bet she loved you singing that song what a lovely thing for a son to do 
so coming up um, for you this year, I, I would imagine you're looking ahead to releasing some more singles, no doubt playing some shows. Do you have some festivals on the horizon? I don't. So if any festival, you know, organisers are listening, <laughs> get me out there. I'm willing to travel. Um, but, yeah, I'm just pretty much cruising along now, writing as many songs as I can, doing the three gigs a, a weekend at home, funding the, the releases. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm definitely going to get a couple more singles out this year and hopefully by the end of it an EP or an album. And where is home in case people want to come and see you play? I'm in the beautiful town of Cessnock in the Hunter Valley. Right. So you play <laughs> around or, or, or play yeah, yeah, anywhere in the Hunter Valley, um, Newcastle, Central Coast, the Lake Macquarie, everywhere. There are pubs around there. So, you know, people, I'm sure people can find you. <laughs> do you, well, <laughs> we were talking about socials earlier. Do you post your gigs on socials regularly? <laughs> no, but there is a, um, I've got a link in my bio to a calendar with all my, my, my booking agent has all my gigs on the website. So hopefully people can find that. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, and as you do create new songs, having had the co-writing experience with Adam and Brooke, do you think you prefer writing songs on your own or doing co-writes? Um, I think it takes a lot of concentration of focus for me to write a song by myself and I have been getting better with it lately, but, um, I love writing with people, especially people like Adam and Brooke. Um, it's just so easy and you can pretty much just throw anything out and they'll be like, oh no, that, that's shit or that's great. Whatever. They'll be, they'll be honest with you. And it's easier that way because then you don't end up with a bad song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it sounds like for the songs you might be creating for a future release, some co-writes are in your horizon or on your horizon, I should say. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, do you keep in touch with any of your um, junior academy classmates for, as co-writers, for example? Uh, I ha don't think I have written with any, but I still definitely keep in touch with, with a couple of them. Um, I run into Rory Phillips every oh. festival. Um, he was, I think, nine when we did the academy and he's he's grown grown so much since then um but yeah i definitely love to write with any of them um yeah i might do that i'll reach out to <laughs> well Finian, it's working well so far with the co-writes because i'm doing well such a great song so it was lovely to speak with you i look forward to whichever songs you are going to release in the future thank you very much Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to Sunburnt Country Music on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok.